0: Okay, everyone, welcome all of our Liberty-loving friends. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, and we are live at Freedom Fest in South Dakota. My name is Nate Thurston. To my left, Charles Thompson. And to my right, Connor Boyack, the author of the Tuttle Twins book series. How's it going? Very
1: well. Thanks for having me.
2: How are you liking Freedom Fest so far?
1: You know, this is like my eighth or ninth time. I'm <laughs> glad it's not in Vegas. So. Yeah.
2: Really? I keep hearing that. So so this is our first time at Freedom Fest. All right. So give us the Vegas story. Why is versus... this better than Vegas? Because uh, it's not Vegas. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You
1: know, like, I don't know. It's just, uh, you go to Vegas every once in a while, you get it out of your system, and you're like, okay, I'll be back in a decade maybe. <laughs> and to be there every year, it's just that the vibe and the casinos and the smoke and the, you know, kind of not very family friendly, this is, you know, much more more family friendly place um. But I heard that next year they're going back to Freedom Fest or to Vegas. Oh. Freedom Fest will be back in Vegas again, so maybe you guys can go next year. You can get the Vegas experience. Then we, yeah, and then we'll figure out why this is so much better because literally everyone that we talked to has said that it That's was better. That's funny. I'll have to yeah. communicate that to the show organizers so yeah. that no one wants to they, go back.
0: They to need Vegas. to know this. <laughs> South Dakota is better, from what I hear. It's the freest state in the union, supposedly. So, yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit for those who don't know, or maybe they don't have kids. You know, I don't have kids, so I've mm-hmm. learned from other people talking about this. Tell them what. Tuttle Twins is
1: all about. So the Tuttle Twins books is a children's series that teach the ideas of freedom to the rising generation. We've got books from toddlers to teens and uh, for all ages, and basically there's nothing else like this. We are doing a cartoon, as you know, we're doing a bunch of other projects, all designed to teach these ideas in whatever format. If you, if your kid likes reading books or playing a game or watching a cartoon, we want to, you know, listening to a podcast or the audiobooks. we want to have something in every medium for kids of all ages to learn the ideas of liberty. And uh, so what kind of specific...
0: Things are you going into? I heard that one of them was uh, the law, right? about Bastiat. So we
1: have our, our kids' series that started this. We've got twelve books, and the shtick that we do with those books is every one of them is based on an original book. So that one, for example, is based on the Law by Bastiat. We've got books based on Atlas Shrugged, or The Road to Serfdom by Hayek, or Economics in One Lesson by Hazlitt. So we take these classics, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island, all about <laughs> the Fed and inflation and money. Very and, scary book. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> So we turn it into a creature like that goes around changing prices and this nefarious (laughs) creature And the, the kids love it so we take those classic books we take the core ideas out of them and then we wrap it in just a fun story beautiful illustrations and now the kids are learning those core concepts that are in those adult books how'd you get this idea well um so elijah who's the illustrator he and i are both dads and Eight years ago, we found ourselves... We're very passionate about these ideas. We're both Ron Paul guys, and and, uh, we're like, how do you talk to your kids about this stuff? I went on Amazon one day, just, you know, free market books for kids, and, like, there's (laughs) nothing. I mean, there's books about, like, sex ed, and there's books about, like, you know, the birds and the bees and whatever, like, all this stuff for kids. Why do we not have books that teach our values and the principles of freedom to kids? So not seeing anything on Amazon, it was like, hey, Elijah, do you want to team up on this, you know, project, let's do this thing. So we did the first book as just a, you know, test project. We actually came here to Freedom Fest seven years, or to Vegas, seven years <laughs> ago. We had a booth. It was just the one book because our thinking was like, all these adults, they've read The Law by Bastiat. Now you can get it for your kids and grandkids. And the response was phenomenal. And so to us, there was a bit of a market signal, like there's a market opportunity here. So we just kept doing one book after the other. And now we've sold over two and a half million And uh, twelve languages, and a cartoon that we're working Mm -hmm. on has just grown a lot. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome.
2: That's what I was getting ready to ask you. So over the last eight years, uh, talk about the growth, and then also, what have we what have we seen now um, in kids versus what they're learning in school versus having these types of things? What's the feedback you're hearing from parents? Like,
1: so here's the growth snapshot. Our first six years, 2014 through 2019 inclusive of those years, we sold a total of about 750,000 books. total. And I mean, it makes sense. You start with one book and you're selling one at a time, you know, and then we get our second book and then our third and the, the curve starts slowly going up. Right. So those six years, 750,000 in 2020 alone, we sold 1.3 million books, which Amazing. is almost double the entire past six years. So things really exploded. So many uh, families, the parents really woke up with all the COVID and the masks and the critical race and all the craziness, the woke, everything. And so, so many families have been like, the world is crazy. My kids are like hearing stuff in the media and from their friends. What do I, how do I talk to them? And we say, hey, Tuttle twins. So the growth has been just kind of exponential and, and crazy for us. Um, and it's in part because of that second question you ask. It's like, parents have woken up to what's being taught in schools. Critical race theory is like the current hot thing, but you know, there's been plenty of stuff that's happening. And even, I, I call it in the school system, there's two problems. There's sins of commission, which is like they're committing indoctrination propaganda whatever. So like critical race theory would be a good example. They're they're committing information of, you know, white people are bigots and, you know, the founding fathers were all white supremacists and all these things. That's the sin of commission. But on the other hand, on the other hand, there are sins of omission. So even if we were to, you know, play whack-a-mole and oh, critical race theory, boom, okay, gone, right? That doesn't mean the school system is great. It just means they're not committing proactively any of these problems, but the sins of omission, it's like Since when? You know, when was the last time they talked about like free market economics or property rights or entrepreneurship or the golden rule or sound money and you know inflation and all these things? That stuff is just absent. And so, even if you're a parent who's worried about the sins of commission and the critical race, you got to recognize, for years, decades, the schools have not—they've been omitting this information. And the biggest problem we find with our customers, the parents. They themselves, as products of public school, they're like, oh, I never learned this in school. And they're adults. They're 30s, 40s, whatever. And so the parents end up learning a lot alongside Mm -hmm. their kids. They're reading a little kid's book with their kids. They're like, oh, I never learned that in school. So it's a a problem that's been with us for a long time, whatever the the little issue of the day is with, you know, our little uh, schooling whack-a-mole game, Mm -hmm. critical (laughs) race theory today. But the problem is more substantial. And our pitch to parents is you need to be intentional. If you want your kids sharing your values and learning these ideas, you got to recognize recognize those kids are being bombarded with all kinds of contrary messages. And so if you don't give them a foundation, a shield or whatever analogy you want to use, they're just going to absorb that as they go out in the world. That's not to say you want to indoctrinate your own kids and close them off to other ideas, but you have at, at least have to empower them with ideas where they can go evaluate and think about those different ideas they get in the world. You
0: want to start with a good foundation before you go out there into the world, and right. you and you get the indoctrination that you're going to get while you're out there. And now you mentioned a guy that also brought us to doing podcasting, Ron Paul. Yep. Is that kind of your inspiration? behind your how were my you, red pell moment were you already on, on that political ideology
1: or was that a Ron Paul moment right there so I was invited to a screening of a documentary in 2005 I want to say called America Freedom to Fascism by the late Aaron Rousseau and it was his attempt to kind of chart the decline of America deviating from these founding ideals I'm sitting in this little library room uh, don't know anyone and watching this documentary, and there's this old guy who just makes a ton of sense. I'm like, who is this guy? (laughs) Everything he said just resonated. And I didn't know a lot about it. I was kind of mainstream Republican and um, not very politically savvy or, or aware with news and so forth. So I Googled Ron Paul and uh, started reading c-span speeches watching his videos he had a recommended reading list and so i went and got a bunch of these books and i just went down the rabbit hole and it's fun i have a good relationship with ron now he's you know shares our our products he's in one of our books one of our uh, our golden rule book so so one one of the books that i read early on from his was a collection of his speeches and it's called a foreign policy of freedom and it's a collection of his uh, congressional speeches about foreign policy In which, as you might imagine, he's espousing kind of the non-aggression principle. And, you know, and if you remember one of his presidential races, I believe it was the 2012. He's on stage in South Carolina and Rudy Giuliani and others are all Mitt Romney. They're all warmongering. And he says, Mm -hmm. he says, I believe in the golden rule. I think we should apply the golden rule as much to governments as we should ourselves. How would we like it if another. So, of course, he, he says this. Do you remember the audience reaction? They booed. Yeah. Mm. They booed. This Christian conservative, you know, South Carolina Bible Belt. And and they're booing this guy who's saying we should follow the golden rule. So we have a book, The Tuttle Twins and the Golden Rule, that talks about those concepts. And it's an honor to Ron Paul and his efforts with the foreign policy of freedom. And uh, and so what Ron has said to me several times over the years, he's like, Connor, during my presidential campaigns, people would say, what's next? What do I do? Dr. Paul, tell Mm -hmm. us, you know, what comes after this? And as he shares the story, he says, the way I would always answer those people is, I don't know. And he says, Connor, more to a point, I never would have thought of starting a think tank. That's our Libertas Institute. I never would have thought of doing children's books, you know, and so here's Ron who impacted me and he never would have thought of that. And then we're out there impacting all these people who knows who the future Ron Paul is going to be that we're now reaching with the books and give them 20 years and they're going to be some great person. But, you know, had we not done that, we wouldn't have reached that that child who became this amazing person. So it's an investment in our future and it's super fun.
2: I love that.
0: I I love how you talk about you never know what's going to come afterwards, and that really reminds me a lot of the uh, the free market and the innovation that we get from the free market all the time. One thing I was wondering about is doing a a book for kids. When you're young, you are told uh, sharing is caring with everyone, and and now uh, maybe sharing is caring. Okay, I'm I'm not saying it's not, but I read a post from someone the other day saying that kids are born with communism ingrained in them already, (laughs) that they're already born communists. And it's the indoctrination from these free market, terrible, greedy capitalists that turns them into these terrible, greedy capitalists afterwards, which was great because they were admitting that communism comes from the mind of a three-year-old. And so that was actually pretty good. But what do you do to bridge the gap between telling a kid that they should uh, embrace uh, I embrace selfs- an Ayn Rand form of selfishness right? Uh, versus
1: being a good kid also. So you just made my point. I was going to say <laughs> kids aren't communists. They're Ayn Randian, you <laughs> know, selfishness is a virtue. Give me, it's mine, it's yeah. mine, right? They're way more about that than they Get are. Your own. <laughs> right, exactly. Here, here's the thing that I, in response to your question, uh, any good parent, I, I submit, is teaching their children two basic values. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Right, like if you've got more than one kid, you know it's like, hey, no, he had the toy first. You know, you're breaking up fights or whatever. Don't hurt other people. Don't take their stuff. These are the foundations of like a, a free and moral society. The problem comes as adults. I feel like we put asterisks on those two basic lessons. It's like, well, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, unless you know a majority of people have decided it's okay. In which case, you know, we're gonna have this tax and take all this money to fund this park that I want. That you know, you're not gonna use it. That's fine. We want you know, like we put all these little exceptions on it and it's like why are we teaching our children these like core ideas that are are unadulterated (laughs) and then we adulterate them later throughout life that make all these exceptions when it's something that we want or you know uh, some benefit that we want the government to give us it's like ah, it's okay in that case we're in the majority now so we can oppress the minority um (laughs) so for me it's like our message to parents is those same lessons you teach your children still apply there are no asterisks And so let's talk about the implications of that, which I think are pretty radical, but enticing and invigorating. And I think entirely consistent with the Declaration of Independence and kind of the ideas that America was built upon.
2: Yeah, you get the the same parents that are upset about bullies or a group of bullies. And I think um, I don't have girls myself. I have a little boy, but I do hear a lot of, you know, you have these like cliques of girls that will team up on other girls and things like that and they get yeah. very upset about those things but to your point it's not just about like a government park I mean your HOA <laughs> can can do that to you as well <laughs> there, there's your communism you, right you there know, <laughs> you know so I, I, I just love that point and that you're that you're drawing these illustrations and and authoring I will uh, tell you words.
0: 100% your HOA is just as tyrannical as, as the government, <laughs> except for you can have a little bit more choice, I guess, and maybe you can change things a little bit easier. It's more local, yeah. so that's good. Maybe I opted into my tyrannical HOA by right. moving to the neighborhood. Consent of to. the governed, right? Yes, there you go. It was actual <laughs> consent of being governed. So I, what are some of the other... You talked about the Ayn Rand and the Basiat, and, and what? one thing I was going to ask about Are you doing anything involving race, since that is such a big topic right there?
1: Are there any books currently or any in the works with that? I mean, to me, race is almost worth not talking about in the sense that, like, the more focus we give it, the more division it creates. Let's focus on ideas that relate to all of us, regardless of... You know, ethnic background or race. So, so no, we translate our books into twelve languages. We got kids in Africa, the blackest of the black kids, reading these little white kids' stories. But it's like, look, this is about economic empowerment. This is teaching entrepreneurship. This is helping you have a better life. And you can relate on that basis to anyone around the world, no matter their skin color. So, we've had people suggest, oh, you should create a Total Twin series, but with black characters. I'm like, but why? It's about the ideas. Like, you, <laughs> we shouldn't care. Um, and and so we do have like minor characters throughout the whole series that have different ethnicities we try and have like a multicultural kind of representation but but it's almost an afterthought because for us like we don't want to pay attention to race Uh, you know it's the vision of what martin luther king was talking about that it really shouldn't matter we should talk about the ideas that can unite us rather than the things that divide us
2: i love that part of his speech the Mm -hmm. content of of the content of their character not the color of their skin right
0: so uh, i guess what what I was wondering with that is, do you make the point that it shouldn't matter in any of the books? Mm. Or would you, you know, the, that way, because what people might look at is say, well, this is, I mean, what everything you just said was from your white male privilege. <laughs> right. I don't know if you realize this. <laughs> right. Was I mansplaining actually, it as well? Yes, yeah, so you oh, mansplained yeah. it with your white male privilege, yeah. and that's what was actually happening. And so I was just trying to envision what people would say back sure. to that. And <laughs> that, that's why I was wondering about the, uh, about it's the a race fair, thing. It's
1: a fair question. We don't have any plans to overtly go into it. That's not to say we can't or won't in the future, and I know right now it's the hot topic, uh, but we're going to kind of stay on our course. I think our next book is going to be about kind of personal responsibility. We're going to do a free speech one, and these issues kind of come and go. Race is kind of hot right now. Who knows what it's going to be a month from now. So, um, how, how important is <laughs> –
0: you see what the country's moving towards right now and you talked about the book sales. Yeah. And how they've really popped up. I mean, we need this we need everyone to read these books, right? Totally. So <laughs> yeah. I think you agree Go buy with that. I think you agree <laughs> with that. Um, what is your long term Goal with
1: this, you know, this yeah.
0: worldwide, everywhere, it's, everyone's going to read it. Schools, is it? Would it ever
1: make it in? Yeah, schools? we've been we've been in a lot of schools, more kind of the private schools, charter schools. Some of them, um, obviously, it takes finding a like-minded teacher, and a lot of our like-minded teachers have quit the profession in <laughs> frustration. So, so we've tried in schools, but um, what's interesting about that, and and I think this will resonate. You'll understand this. We, we've done a lot of experiments in schools, but what we find is that okay, teacher does a free market economic lesson, maybe three days in a row or a full week. And then you figure out what's the comprehension level of that child and really understanding those ideas, it's pretty low. And then when they go home, the mom or the dad or the siblings have no clue what that child learned. So there's no reinforcement opportunity in the home to think about and apply and observe those ideas in practice. So our model consists almost entirely on going direct to the family where, as I said earlier, the parents are often being educated about this stuff for the first time. I got an email from a dad recently. He's like, we were in a grocery store walking down the potato chip aisle and my kid is like, now i get why there's like 15 kinds of potato chips it's spontaneous (laughs) order there's no like you know czar of like potato chip production nice and it's because the kid had read in the store in miraculous pencil right talking about it there made the comparison we have a podcast little 15 minute episodes where parents and kids in the car going to run errands can you know uh listen to a different topic talk about it over dinner so our Our vision is: we want families to be engaging together about these ideas, where siblings and parents together can talk about, reinforce, observe later, and practice those ideas. That's how you're going to get the depth of understanding, rather than relying on a teacher to like throw out a lesson that the kid just, oh, you know, what did you learn today? Um, (laughs) And so we want to go after the homes, and we want to educate the parents. Um, And uh, and so that's fun because I run a think tank, and it's all about you know voters and laws and trying to like you know help adults but we found far more success in going to adults through their kids (laughs) uh because they don't even think we're trying to go after them it's like oh we want to help your kids learn (laughs) these issues and like wow i'm a libertarian now look at that (laughs) and uh and they otherwise never would have been and so um that's been a kind of a fun strategic thing for us to like like all of us here at freedom fest all these booths were all about like growing the movement reaching more people let's you know and i know of no more effective thing than the Tuttle twins to actually do that
2: Tell us about what the plans are for the future and future growth. So we went over, like, what's happened, the crazy growth of the last year, which is uh, amazing, and congrats on that. Thank you. What's the future? I know um, you said you were working on animations and some other things, so tell us what we what, what, what can we see coming down the line from Tuttle Twins.
1: Yeah, so we're on the cusp of launching the cartoon that I think you talked to Daniel about, and so uh, that's super exciting. We raised $5 bucks for that. We got Season 1 funded. The goal with that is just keep going i mean simpsons has what like 30 seasons like we (laughs) want we want to beat the simpsons so we want to have this like massive cartoon uh translate it into all kinds of languages just like the books this is really an international play i mean this this these books are as needed if not more so by families in like you know venezuela right or anywhere around the world where they're having these economic challenges we got to get these ideas into the the kind of culture there so uh, a lot of international expansion doing the cartoon we're going to do a ton more books we're working on a really big american history project right now so we're going to come out with our own textbook and curriculum uh that tries to actually teach the ideas of so so i'll I'll Uh, Pause there to expand briefly. There's a problem with our American history education, and it's uh, you all know the quote, those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. The problem that we have in American history education, I'm talking declaration, constitution, colonial era, revolution, all that stuff. The problem is none of that. We're not teaching kids uh, from the past. They're being taught about the past. Here's when this battle happened, and here's what this person said, and here's what these guys did. It's almost like you're walking in this museum of, of ancient American history, like, oh, look, how quaint. Those things happened 250 years ago, and then you move on with your life, and there's no application to the modern day. Imagine you're talking to a kid, and you're talking about the writs of assistance, where the British redcoats would just write their own permission slip to go into anyone's home. You remember this, right? Mm-hmm. right. This is what led to the Fourth Amendment the, in the Bill of Rights. You need particularity. You need probable cause. You 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 need a judge to sign off because the founders had had this horrible experience with these writs of assistance. Okay. Today, kids aren't really even taught about that stuff at all. But if they were, imagine if you then say, and hey, kids, did you know about the NSA? (laughs) Right. Right. Here's a modern example where you can now connect history. We can learn from the past. Okay. What did the founders do? Why were they upset? What were the principles and the ideas? And suddenly it relates to modern day. So we bought a whole bunch of textbooks that's being used like third to eighth grade, How are kids being taught? We wanted to look, and all of it is superficial. It's names and dates and and teaching about history, but there's no comprehension, there's no opportunity to help kids learn from history and apply it to the modern day. So that's what we're, we're doing, a really big project coming out next year on American history. Yes, it's going to teach all the you know battles and the people and whatever, but it's going to talk about the ideas and it's going to talk about their modern relevance so that kids can learn from history.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're essentially, like you like you mentioned, they're basically writing their own warrants now, <laughs> you know, with the, with the secret court. And if they don't get a FISA warrant, well, then they can get one later uh, or or right. they'll just keep it confidential where you can't you know you can't have access to it so yeah it's 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 crazy to me how those things come full circle and talking about the the cartoon coming out we grew up on Schoolhouse Rock. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and haven't seen anything really since Schoolhouse Rock. Right. And at least, at least they did like the Declaration of Independence and and the preamble. I to can the still Constitution. recite the preamble right there now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's singing it in <laughs> my head in while head. I'm doing that. But I'm <laughs> looking forward to the to the actual. That shows the power of culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These
1: jingles, these, all right? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine kids watching a Teledrin's cartoon 20 years from now, they're voting in the booth, and some, like, you know, don't hurt from people and don't take their stuff or something. Right, I right. don't know what, right? Yeah. But, like, I meant you sprinkle these things out, and it has that lasting impact. It does. I could still
2: sing the song right now.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking, blandly, <laughs> how great it would be. <laughs> I know that the books deal
1: with a little bit of time travel, right? There's a grandma with a time travel. So, the books, okay, so that's an interesting point. Did you guys read comic books when you were a kid at all? I was a big comic nerd. I did. Okay. Uh, that's no, f- that's fine. But like I can't even fit in with the comic book. Oh. that's how outside. <laughs> all right, I don't was. don't don't yeah. go to Comic-Con then. Yeah. Um, but like the Marvel movies that are really popular today, right? They're based off all the same stuff from the comics, but they make a lot of changes. There's different <laughs> backstories, costumes, whatever. Uh, the Tuttle Twins books and cartoon are like that. Our books don't involve any kind of time travel or, you know, crazy stuff like that. But with a cartoon, we're like, all right, it's a cartoon. Let's do something yeah. like this. And so we have a little bit of a spin. It's shared shared universe, shared ideas. Obviously, the ideas are all the same, but we decided to have a little bit of a different kind of ploy. I was actually going to ask what the differences were. And
0: when you do this, you said you had funding for season one. Now, does each episode cover, uh, is each season one of, one of the books or is each... S- uh, you know, Is each episode one of the
1: books, or how is that going to work out? Great question. So uh, we decided to not connect them in terms of a cartoon episode to a book. The, okay. the idea is they're picking out an idea, but one book might prompt four different cartoons that we kind of extract little bits of, of uh, information. So, for example, our books are, I would say, 80% educational, 20% entertaining. They're meant to convey a lot of information, but there are fun little stories along the way. The cartoon is flipped. It's going to be 80% entertaining, just a fun little kid's cartoon, and it's going to drip some fun little ideas in there um, for a minority of the content. And so we can take the books and make all kinds of episodes about them. It's not going to be like a one-to-one relationship between all of them. And so um, that's kind of the, the key difference. It gives them just a little bit more freedom
0: there to come up with some new things, and, right? And then we won't have to have the argument about what was better, the book or the or the TV show. You know, it's it's meant to be a little bit separated, right? Totally. So yeah. so that's good. And another great thing that hopefully you guys end up dealing with is I know kids like to watch TV shows over and over and over and over again a right. million times. And so what I'm really hoping is that you guys get that continuous play ingrained in their minds. Just <laughs> it becomes the child's brain after after totally. after so long. <laughs> Where are the kids going to go, though, to watch
1: this? How's this going to? That's what's, I think, one of the most exciting things for, uh, for me. So, um, there's a show called The Chosen. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, uh, Spreading Like Wildfire. It's a, a show about Jesus and the Apostles, but super well done, and, and people are loving it. They've pioneered kind of this new model that we're going to be following in their footsteps for. In their case, you download an app um, on your Roku, your Apple TV, your phone, you know, whatever, and you watch it all for free. And they use a pay it forward model. So other people have contributed money to the project that allows them to make these streams for free to anyone. So then as people watch the show, in their case, very kind of evangelical Christian, the whole world needs to see this. They're motivated to help contribute towards that end. The thinking with us is that people will similarly be evangelical when it comes to political and economic ideas, that we'll make it all for free. And then we'll prompt people like, if you think other people should watch this cartoon, right, uh, help pay it forward. And so we're gonna make it available for free, we're gonna translate it, and it'll just be an app where you can access all the episodes uh, moving forward and I think that's what's really exciting that the books it's obviously like hey you know come educate your children so it's more of a like a here's work to do or here's education to do and also there's a cost to it well the cartoon is going to be an easier foot in the door because it's just oh here's a fun cartoon and parents by the way it's going to teach some good values so you don't need to worry about that Nickelodeon garbage that's teaching <laughs> transgender <laughs> you know whatever they are doing these days yeah. um, <laughs> their drag queen cartoon that they had con- the other and day and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyways so yeah. even Blue's Clues is now doing weird stuff So, so it's like parents, you don't need to worry about this stuff anymore. Like this is going to be good values that you can share. Um, but it's just, it's very top of funnel. It's, it's very, uh, lighthearted, easy, free. And so the thinking is like, you're saying, come watch the cartoon. You're going to watch it a few more times. And then you're going to be like, you know, we ought to get the books that these are based on and keep learning more. And we just kind of keep bringing them down that educational funnel to get that family really understanding all these ideas that we're talking about eventually buy the toys. Um, yeah. So there's going to yeah. be yeah, merch. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be merch. There's going to be posters. There's going yeah. We're going to do all that fun stuff. Theme <laughs> park in 20 years. Oh theme man. are <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm going to write that note down. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an That's honorary good. membership yeah. if we ever do that. <laughs> thank okay, you. Thank okay.
0: You. Now, where will people need to go to find the books? Where can they go right now? Wait. And then let me will ask one more
2: question. Go. I just want to pivot real quick because you mentioned the think tank. So yeah. Talk a little bit about the think tank and what you what you all are doing, and then we'll wrap up.
1: Yeah. Sure. So uh, Libertas Institute is a nonprofit that I founded about a decade ago, and it's what's called a think tank. I always crack the silly dad joke that my kids roll their eyes about. I say, yeah, it's a think tank, <laughs> a mental institution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a think tank. Yeah. Nice. That's want, good. Want, want. So anyways, um, we, our slogan, our motto is we change hearts, minds, and laws. And so on our policy side, we're involved in, in changing laws in favor of freer markets. We work on property rights, uh, economic liberty, tech and innovation. Criminal- is
2: like a local level? or so you Yes, at a, at a state
1: level. So okay. we, we are based in Utah. And just in the past year, we've started scaling all across the country. Because okay. in Utah, at this point, a decade later, we've changed about, I want to say, 80 laws, something like that. Amazing. And uh, what's what's fun for us is seven or eight of them are the first of their kind in the whole country. And so we've got a really good thing going where we've innovated a lot of kind of creative stuff. I'll give you a brief example if I can. So um, all across the country, you guys know about when Uber and Lyft were illegal, right? Because of the taxi Mm -hmm. laws and everything. Mm -hmm. All the time, Tesla in our state and many others, Elon Musk could not sell his cars. Why? Because over the decades, car dealerships that are uh, very politically powerful had shaped the laws in such a way that you had to sell cars through car dealerships, and Tesla is a direct-to-sale model. Right. So over and over and over, get food trucks. Another great example, right? All these restaurant crazy laws, and so you get these innovators who are like, "Hey, I have a different way of doing things," and then the you know city council or the you know governor, whoever, is like, "Oh, nope, you can't do that. Like we've got this law in the books from forty years ago that didn't foresee the way you do th-. And so inevitably, these people always get punished. And then typically over time, like Uber and Lyft, you can get anywhere now, right? Over time, they legalize it, they figure it out, but it's always that big battle where you get the incumbents who are protected from the law and they're trying to punish their competition. And rather than compete with them, they're trying to shut them down. Great. All of that is to say, we got passed a cool new law called regulatory sandbox. And what this is, is you can now in Utah and soon in many other states, If you're Elon Musk, you could go into this regulatory sandbox and all it is, it's like a legal safe space where you can then say, hey, that law violates or I'm going to violate that law with my new business model or what I want to do. I want to suspend that law. And for up to two years, you, the innovative entrepreneur, can get shielded from a law or regulation that inhibits your new innovative way of doing things while the legislature or the city council catches up to you. And so, and, and there's so many examples. That's amazing. And, wow. And, and it's crazy. Like, look, Elon Musk can hire his lobbyists and his lawyers to go solve whatever problem. Think of the little guy. In our state, we had a guy who invested a quarter million dollars to grow his own company, selling kind of this car. Uh, think of it. You know, when you guys uh, go get a big um, service done on your car, your transmission's out, or you need a new engine. You, car insurance doesn't cover that. So you're out of pocket. He came up with this idea. is like, what if everyone could kind of pool their funding together and when you had that big expense, you could kind of draw down on that pool of funds. And you're kind of like insurance, but not quite. He goes to the insurance department. He's like, guys, I got this idea. It's not insurance. But they're like, no, that's fine. It's, it's not insurance. He starts growing his company. Quarter million dollars he invests. Two years later, the insurance department comes back and says, actually, we do think you are insurance. We're going to shut you down. And he's a little guy. He had no money for lawyers and, and he lobbyists. He not permission to begin He even with. asked. That's crazy. Wow. And they shut him down. He lost his life savings. And he couldn't do anything about it. Well, imagine now, I mean, unfortunately, this happened before our sandbox. But now if it happened again, he could come in the sandbox. They couldn't shut him down. He can basically give him the middle finger and say, I'm going to keep growing my business. And meanwhile, he's protected from being shut down while he can grow his business. And then the legislature can kept, uh, catch up to him and fix it rather than him having that pain of losing his life savings and not being He can't go on hold for two years. He can't hire an army of lobbyists. And so uh, super exciting. First one in the whole country. And so now we're working with people all across the country to scale it nationwide. And so that's kind of our model. is It's like a nail-it-then-scale-it model. Mm-hmm. We'll go nail it in Utah, and then we'll scale it across the country. I
2: love that. And so I love these, because a lot of people ask, like, what can we do? Like, right. you see the world crashing and burning. And, mm-hmm. you know, at times I get pessimistic as well. Sure. I'm, I'm genuinely an optimistic person. but And then so those little ideas, or um, are, are those, not, they're not really little. They're big that you can make at a, at a state level or a local level, those different types of things that you can do with the think tank and then you have the tuttle twins and like you're you're essentially proving to everyone in my mind you're proving to everyone that these ideas uh can scale you can get them to the to the masses and and people do believe in these and so just for you know the listeners or or, or anybody else like there are things that we are capable of you don't have to give up because at times people can feel that that and guys
1: i'm a web developer like I'm running a think tank and we had out like 30 people and we're doing all these things. I built websites. I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I still don't know what I'm doing. I have no acronyms after my name. I don't have any fancy whatever. Like, so if I can do it, like, yeah. any, like like so it's a very empowering message, I feel like. It's like going back to Ron Paul, he's like, I never would imagine you doing that. I'm like, me neither, but here I am. Like I do, I so
2: I do software, so that's...
1: <laughs> right, and, and so any, like you can bring your talents. You can yeah. build websites for liberty or whatever it is. And so don't let those impediments start stop you because one person totally can make a difference
0: that's awesome that now what was that called again because that that sandbox idea there regulatory I mean, sandbox i, I want to get one of those
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah how do we get this in nashville so if you go to if you go to libertas.org outreach that's where we have a page all about it and we're helping people in other states and so we're eager to help groups in your backyard do the
2: same thing that we've done amazing uh, what's the think, local think tank in Nashville? Uh, the Beacon the Center. The Beacon Center. Oh, They're Beacons, working right. on this exact issue. Awesome. We're, we're working
1: really. with. I love that. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
2: Great. Well, Connor,
0: thank you so much thank for you guys. your time today. We really do appreciate, appreciate it. it. And make sure everyone get
1: your kids these books. Get them. TuttleTwins.com. Yeah. yeah, TuttleTwins.com. If you want to see the cartoon, that's at TuttleTwins.tv, um, or TuttleTwins.com for the books. All awesome. Right?
2: Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
1: Appreciate it. Appreciate